You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. You're listening to episode number 75 of Living the Dream with Rory O'Malley. Audition side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hello, dreamers. Rory O'Malley here. Thank you so much for listening to Living the Dream. If you enjoy the podcast, tell your friends and write a review and uh, rate us on iTunes. That would be so helpful so we can keep having these conversations with people in the business about the ups and downs. I am also so grateful to all of you who belted the vote this past November 6th. You know, I was screaming to the rooftops for everyone to vote in the theater community, and everyone really showed up in full force to inspire the rest of the theater community all across the country. And it was just uh, an amazing experience getting to be a part of that. So thank you for everyone who participated. Thank you to everyone who voted this year and made it record-breaking turnout. It was uh, amazing. It was amazing. And I am so grateful to the theater community that is always so active and, and knows its its responsibility, its civic responsibility. So we're going to keep that going, keep getting people motivated to go to the polls uh, for 2020 and, and beyond. Uh, my guest today was someone who was one of the first people who said yes to helping out with Belt the Vote. His name's George Salazar. He is... Uh, in Be More Chill, the phenomenon that has gone off-Broadway, just closed, and will be opening on Broadway this spring. He is an amazing actor, a, a wonderful singer, and even more importantly, a beautiful human being. You will understand that after this conversation with him. He's just very genuine, has clearly worked very hard to get to where he is in this business and is having his moment. And um, a lot of people with this production of Be More Chill are, are having a moment, including its writer Joe Iconis, who is, has been uh, someone in, in, in the industry that everyone has known, but this is a really big breakthrough um, that's going to be a huge commercial success for him and, and for this entire cast. So I was so lucky to get to see a performance of this off-Broadway last month, and uh, and George is just phenomenal and this part is is so good there's such a huge fan base of of young people online who brought this piece from being an album this musical to broadway the story of it alone could be a whole other musical so uh i'm very excited for george i'm excited for the cast and everyone involved and i loved getting a chance to sit down and speak with them so here's my conversation with the lovely george salazar so welcome to Living the Dream. 
George. Thanks for having me. We're just launching right into it. I know you're a busy, busy man. So this is the <laughs> only thing you have to do today. What has life <laughs> been like lately? It's been crazy, Wait, I, right? I'm, I'm, well, I'm going to interrupt you because I love that it was like, uh, we're going to go right. We're going to dive right in because I know you're really busy. Yes. This is all you have to do today. <laughs> Well, I know that you are. And so that was the plan. I was like, I'm just going to go right into it with them. But then you're like, you only have this today. Okay, great. But you know what? Yeah. You need to really take your days off and enjoy oh. them. And so oh, I don't want to, you know, 100%. have no, you be doing it's, uh, it. It's, thank, you for, thank you for having me, first and foremost. Of course. I um, was so lucky to get to see you and be more chill off Broadway. And it was... It was such an amazing performance you gave and such a moment in time and to be surrounded by all of these excited young people about a new piece of theater was so thrilling to me, but I'm sure while you're in it, it can also be exhausting. So I'm sure you're coming down from a really extreme high. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, it, this is, uh, this is the thing that, that, uh, I thought about and and wished for for three years and uh, that we, that we even got to do the show off Broadway was more than I ever thought possible. So right. while it was, while sure it was exhausting, I was just so happy to be doing it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Thrilled that, and thrilled that, 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 um, that people discovered the musical fell in love with it. And we're like vocal about their love of the show and, and that that's what, that's what brought it back. Like that's what the people like resurrected this thing. Right. And, um, you know, I just feel very fortunate that, um, that of all the musicals that have opened and died in New Jersey, <laughs> that this was the one that people were like, you know, crazy about. Can you, can you walk us through that a little bit? I know you've told this story quite a bit, but guess what? You're going to be telling this story for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. I love, and it's okay. I love telling the story. It's, yeah. It's like, it's like, it's truly a miracle story. Um, so, you know, we, um, I'll go back to, I met, okay. I met Joe Iconis in 2011. Um, at the time I was doing Godspell on Broadway, the only show I've ever done on Broadway. And, uh, Jen Tepper worked for the lead producer and uh, invited Joe to a preview. And afterwards, we all wound up at a at a bar in Midtown. And she said, George, this is Joe. Joe, this is George. You guys need to make things together. And uh, and she's and that very much that type of person. People connector. Yes. Yeah, she's like the people. She's the person connector. She, yes. She has a knack for it. Um, and so, you know, we met. And we, like, did little things here and there. Like, I did his Christmas show one year. And... Um, and, uh, which is an epic show. His Christmas show is, at 54 below is notoriously a huge, amazing. And, and people are, are very big fans of that show. Yeah. Yeah. We get a lot of repeat offenders over the years. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, a crazy, <laughs> it's like a, a meth fueled Muppets Christmas, uh, show. It's like, my, if you, yeah, my brother-in-law made... flies in from, uh, Chicago to see it every year. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, we, we like made things here and there, like on a, on, on a scale like that. And then, um, and then Joe was working on be more chill 
And uh, I had gone in for The Black Suits, another musical of his, and didn't get it. And he was like super, super nice about, you know, it, it, you gave such a great audition. It was an amazing audition. It's just not the right fit. Gave me that, that spiel. And he was like, but I'm working on this other musical called Be More Chill, and I think you're perfect for it. And so he was like, you know, keep your ears peeled. And so we ended up doing a, a workshop of it. I felt so madly in love with the show and with this character. Um, because for the first time in my career, like I wasn't just being like a clown, right. you know, like there was a mo there was this, this like moment of, of vulnerability written in this character. Um, and I was so taken by uh, Joe's music and Joe Trace's book and, um, and how, how, uh, how Michael Mel, it almost feels like, uh, uh, he was taken from my own experiences as a high schooler. Like I really? just saw so much of myself in this kid. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so anyway, so we, um, so I moved to LA fast forward 2014. I moved to LA. I'm fed up with New York <laughs> done. I'm so done. That's what LA and, is for is when you're fed up with New York and you're putting yeah, it on notice. Exactly. So I was like, fuck you, New York. I'm out of here. So I yeah. laughed. And I moved to, to LA and I bought a car and I sold all my belongings in New York. Ooh, that's a real commitment not. to LA. When you buy a car, then you really yeah. committed. Yeah. I mean, it was a, she was a thousand dollar 2001 <laughs> Buick Century. So, okay. Um, it's still so, a yeah, commitment. Still kind of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but, uh, so I moved out there and Joe emails me a couple months after I get out there and he's like, Hey, we're going into production for be more chill and I would really love for you to be in it, but I know you're in LA and I was like, no, I'll, I'll do it. And so the plan was to move back to L to New York to do two rivers production of be more chill and then go back to LA. But when I came back and started rehearsals for be more chill, I quickly realized that the things that I left New York in search of were right in front of me. I just needed to right. be patient. And so I stayed um, and I sold my car over the phone and I had my roommate send me, um, send all my belongings uh, and I, I stayed and, and Be More Chilled became this like um, artistic peak for me at that point. And, I, uh, and, and then year, even years later, it was like not, none of the projects I'd worked on really like um, felt like Be More Chill felt. Right. And so the New York Times came Charles Ashwood came and gave it, um, you know, not the best review and essentially killed the show. But our friends at Ghost Light Records wanted to preserve it by giving it a casting album. And I'm so grateful that they did because that is what, uh, that's, that's how people discovered this thing. Right. And so about a year and a half ago, you know, we mourned the death. It was over. Um, I thought about the show truly every day of my life. Joe would have me would ask me to sing Michael in the bathroom at concerts and it was becoming my like, um, and I'm telling you, you know, right. And, uh, and so I was, I, I never get tired of singing that song, singing it at concerts. Um, then a year and a half ago, all of a sudden out of the blue, like Joe, Iconis, Joe trace and myself and some of the other cast members from the two river production were getting uh, tagged in like fan art be more chill wow and so we were really confused and we were trying to i remember there was like a, an email chain going on where it was like okay w are you guys doing anything 
Like, are you doing something be more chill related? Because it's all of a sudden like I'm getting like Instagram followers and I'm getting tagged in the, like this incredible fan art and no, no one was doing anything. And so we, we tried to like figure this thing out and we didn't figure it out until like the fall of last year when we met two young people who run very popular Tumblr accounts. Uh-huh. And according to them, they are, they take credit for everything. Oh, but they said that uh, they said that they found a video of, of Joe and I doing Michael in the bathroom at 54 below yeah. and they shared it. And then it kind of spread like wildfire from there. And, um, and so, you know, from, I would say May of last year until through the rest of 2017, it be, it became, it became this kind of like, um, well, how do we, how do we, how do we grab the bull by the horns here? Like, right. This has never really happened. This has not never happened. Like a musical that dies and then is kind of resurrected over social media like that, that to this degree hasn't happened. And so it was like, well, what, how, what do we, how, what do we do? You know? And so we, uh, you know, I, I met with um, a dear friend, Ashley Latimer, who does social media for Broadway shows. And we like, we talked about it and um, figured out the the best way to kind of like uh, go about this and, it, uh, I mean, I don't think we even needed to have that conversation because people were just discovering the musical on their own. Right. Like there was no, there was no like, um, Broadway personality, uh, you know, plugging, be more chill. There was no, um, talk show host talking about how they found this thing. It just happened organically. Right. Uh, which is nuts. And so it was, it's been really, really cool. It's been a really cool thing to like watch the journey of the show kind of unfold before our eyes. Cause it's every, every turn is like, there's a new surprise. Well, and it, it happened the way that it needed to happen because the audience that it's for the, the young people who it's geared for most, you know, people that it's speaking to they're the ones who discovered it in the way that they were supposed to. It's weird how things like that happen sometimes, but I don't think there's a better way or story for how you guys got to where you are, which was getting to have an off-Broadway show. You had a New York Times article written about the momentum online, which that's how I discovered what the show was. I didn't know anything about it until that New York Times article was written. Uh And so I was like, well, I got to figure out what this is. And then you guys did an off-Broadway run and it just exploded. Yeah. There's there's wonderful video of you guys all finding out that you were going to Broadway. What, what, What was that like for you? Um, so they, they, they called us in for an emergency automation rehearsal is what it is, what we were being told. And so we all got there and then, but we were like, why is the band here for an automation rehearsal? Right. What, you know, why, why are like music assistants here for an automation rehearsal? And then we saw our friends at Marathon Digital, um, our social media company, uh, setting up a tripod on stage right in front of the thing that is the only automated piece on the set. Right. So I was like, uh, what's going on? And, uh, it, it was, uh, it was very shocking because so I am, I am a person who, you know, over the years has done a lot of like soul searching. Right. And this business that you and I are in, and that I'm sure a lot of 
your listeners are, are a part of is very tricky and it's very um uh it's at times insensitive you know yeah, like and heartbreaking and, yeah, yeah and heartbreaking and you know i've had so many um experiences in my 10 years of being in new york that um that have driven me almost to like leaving. Well, and I, it actually happened. I, I did yeah. leave New York because right. of the business. And so, um, so, you know, I, um, a couple of years ago decided that like, I, I couldn't, um, I couldn't make Broadway like, uh, like a, a like a, I couldn't put Broadway on a pedestal because, right. uh, it's a different beast, mm-hmm. you know, not, Broadway is not just getting to make things with your friends. You know, right. there are so many other factors that, that take precedence over that. Commercial and theater is a completely different theaters, beast. It's a, it's a beast. Yeah. And it is. And it, and at times it's mean and cold mm-hmm. and heartless. And that was something that I, you know, it was affecting me in a negative way. Right. And I just, uh, I, I just said, I can't make this a priority. Um, I have to make like, um, I have to just be able to create with people that I admire. And, you know, if, if that means that I'm only making $350 a week doing it, then that's just what it means. Uh, cause I'd rather be happy than, than have like <laughs> financial stability, which is like, you know, that's, that's so sad. It's so sad that like, that, that that's even a, a thought that an artist uh, uh, comes across is like you know well it'd be great to be able to pay my bills but right. I would I would I would much rather be you know starving and be <laughs> proud of the work I'm making right because well, we're not talking about like being proud of the work you're in and or being filthy rich we're literally talking about being able to feed yourself like right that that those two things shouldn't have to you it know should. be separate. But they are, and that's just the, that's the way that things are. And so, you know, when I I felt like, and I know a lot of artists feel this way all the time. And I think that this kind of is part of the, like the struggle of the artist. And it's the thing that fuels us and, and makes our art good is this, um, this, uh, almost like a, you almost feel like a victim, (laughs) right? you know? And so like, there's like this, um, there's this thing where like for such a long time, I felt like, uh, like, a uh, well, someone just give me a chance. And it was in, and it was, it came in like small bursts. And, uh, and, and this, this, um, this, this off Broadway production became this thing where I, I, I was just celebrating it every day, all day. And yeah. then, and then that, 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 you know, the Broadway announcement happened while i was still celebrating the fact that we were doing the show off broadway so 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 as all the exciting things were happening for be more chill i was like a beat emotionally a beat behind (laughs) yeah um and so that day i was like kind of in shock initially and i everyone was crying and i i didn't cry Mm -hmm. initially it was it kind of made me feel like well maybe you need to go see a therapist george um (laughs) Because you should be, you should be in tears right now. And, uh, and, and then, and then the tears set in when I realized that Joey Connors, who is my favorite, uh, collaborator and one of my best friends yeah. and Lauren Marcus, who's one of my favorite collaborators and best friends. And, um, 
and Jason Sweet Tooth Williams. And I mean, the list of, of people is Stephen Brackett. There yeah. are all of these artists who I love and, and cherish, and they're going to get to make their Broadway debut mm. with this show. Yeah. And with this journey behind the show. And just thinking that and looking at these people on stage, I was inconsolable. Like uh, my eyes were, I looked like I got stung by like a hundred bees. My face was puffy. I was just, I couldn't stop crying. Yeah. And I actually, when, when, when I pull, was able to pull myself together, I asked Marathon uh, not to include any of the video of me crying uh, in that, in whatever they were making, because it was not cute. And they, well, they, they, they respected my wishes. Yes, uh, I'm but, sure they, Marathon is the best because they are also the ones who we worked with to make the belt, the vote videos. And they've been our social yeah. media, you know, and that, and you participated in that, and which was, yeah, yeah. I'm so grateful for, and we'll talk about later, but that, that, it, the intimacy of finding that out. And that is something that really can't be captured on video, the true feelings and the emotions oh. behind that. And it makes sense to me that your initial reaction wouldn't be crying and tears of joy because we build up such strong boundaries and walls around our enthusiasm as yeah. actors. We've yeah. been uh, proven wrong so many times yeah, and yeah. been forced down that it's very difficult to immediately celebrate something. You really have to be reassured. I think it's so beautiful that the way that you were able to feel it and celebrate it is by seeing what it was going to be for someone else, you know, and, and uh, clearly you all have created something so special, not just because of the notes or the words on the page, but because of the dynamic of each other. I think that it really is. That's the secret to any successful show is that there's a group of people who want, who have a shared interest in telling a, a great story and yeah. seeing what you guys created. It was, it was extremely powerful. It's so funny. It's so much fun. And I knew I was going to a show that was, you know, geared towards younger people and I, you know, not to make myself be the oldest man alive, but I wasn't sure if I was going to find a way into the story. And of I course, found myself course. just absolutely engaged in every moment, finding ways to relate to all these characters in the way that you were able to relate to yours. And it it's for something that is really uh, about uh, technology and the future. And it kind of, you know, it's seeing so many things about what it means to be a teen and a young person today and how their lives are really, you know, merged with technology in a way that mine certainly wasn't, but but the, the basis of it is all the same thing of wanting to be liked, wanting to be, uh, loved. And, uh, it's a beautiful story. The music is, is great. And the performances are just Fantastic. Thank so you. I'm I'm so happy for you. I want to talk Thanks. a little more about those times and what and what drove you to drive to Los Angeles to get a car in LA because I love to talk about on this podcast the the reality of what it means to live the dream. So yeah. you you have your your Broadway dream realized and you're a part of an amazing show, which you were so fantastic, God, Godspell. I loved that. The cast yes. was wonderful. So many times I think that we have this dream that once you cross that threshold of being on Broadway, 
that there's no going back, that you're just yeah. going to keep on, you know, picking and choosing what yeah, your yeah. shows oh, are. Offer, offer only. I can't wait. This is going to be great. I'm on Broadway. I'm going to be offer only. I'm going to make so much money. I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be in a Broadway show. Right. This is great. And then, that, yeah, that doesn't happen. And, no. and, um, and the, the dream is built up in your in our minds and in our hearts yeah and it and and it's and it's uh and it's fed to us by our teachers in college you know yeah and 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 so you know there's this like well this that's the that's the pinnacle of success a broadway show yeah and then you get there and you know gospel was was a wonderful experience because like the people involved mm-hmm. again like talking about a, a, a cast dynamic a, and a creative dynamic it just felt, you know, um, it felt really uh, like a very special thing to be a part of. But that was my second job in New York. Like wow. I had done right before Godspell, I was in the non-union Spring Awakening tour. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm such a believer in, you know, um, uh, these things should take time. And, uh, and, and, they should, and they should happen when you're ready for them. Um, and sure, like, you know, when we graduate college, you're out of the gate and you're like, I'm ready, I'm ready. Let's do this. Get, uh, let me get a Broadway job. But the reality of it, you know, I was in New York for three years before Godspell. So I, you know, there's, there was a substantial, um, amount of self-discovery and hustling that, that went into that. And I know a lot of people who book a Broadway show immediately after graduating uh, college or they're still in college when they book the Broadway show. And what I normally see is, and this, obviously this, I'm, this isn't, this isn't everyone's story, but I, I've, I've noticed that it's kind of a trend is that the, the people who, who only know New York as a Broadway actor right. uh, are not prepared for what, what's going to happen once your show closes. Right. And it becomes this really destructive thing. Um, where people lose their identity. They lose who they are. They lose their, they just become these like personas. And, and that, that's so, um, it's so counterproductive because we have to be people, you know, like that has to be the top, the, the number one priority as an artist is like, you, you have to also figure out how to be a happy person. Yeah. And, and how to balance, um, you know, aspirations and goals and, and a real life. And And I I feel like that number one, that's the reason I have this podcast is to try to like remind people that you have to figure out how to be a happy person first before you can think that you're living the dream and that a show or a job or something in this business is going to give you that happiness to make you feel like you're living the dream. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that is so hard. It's to, so, it's so hard. It's hard to even accept that. Like when you're in your twenties and you're like, no, 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 I don't, I shouldn't have to do more work on myself or yeah. other I've, things. I, I'm making my, I'm making my dream come true. Yeah. Like that's, so that I, was the deal. Yeah. World, that doesn't happen. It, that Your dreams don't come true. If you don't have your shit, if, if you, yeah. uh, if you don't have your shit together, like, yeah. but, but, you know, so so my personal experience with with that was like, okay, well, Godspell closed, and I was like, uh, uh oh, I like, 
I spent too much money, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I, I was being re I was living life. Like I was Beyonce or something. <laughs> and now I have like $8. Right. So I have like, don't my, my bank account doesn't, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't indicate that I was in a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Um, and for 13 months after God's book closed, I didn't, no one hired me. Mm-hmm. I was not, I was unemployed. I ran out of unemployment <laughs> okay. after Godspell. And uh, so it was this really sobering moment where I went now as I'm 32 years old, I looked back at that experience and I was like, I, the problem is I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. That happened too soon. I was not, I did not know who I was as a person. Um, I was not confident in myself. I did not love myself. I was not a happy person. Right. And I kind of just masked everything with, well, I'm on Broadway and this is great. And my, my parents are proud and my school is proud. My friends are proud and this is great. But at the end of the day, like I was like, I was not, I was just not in a good place. Right. So I look back at that and, and, and that's why I, that's why I got emotional thinking about how my friends were, would be making their Broadway debuts would be more chill is like, I know that each of those people have hustled and worked so hard for so many years yeah. for this moment. And I know what this moment is going to feel like for them. And I know that they're going to truly appreciate every minute of it because they're ready for it Yeah, in a way that I was not ready for my Broadway debut. So, you know, um, yeah, I mean that show closed in 2012, and for um, three, four, maybe four or five years after that, I just did. I just held the mirror up to my face, and I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. I worked on myself. I struggled with my identity as like a mixed race person and also as a gay person mm-hmm. i finally mustered up the courage to come out to my father when i was 30 you know there was like there was just there were so many for some reason i my development was so stunted and i in in the time after godspell between godspell and now i got my shit together yeah and i confronted the, the things i confronted my i faced my fears and I learned how to live without fear. I learned how to function as fearless as I could possibly be. And we're, you know, you're never gonna be completely fearless. There's always, there's always things about life that terrify, but like, for the most part, I was, I've been able to kind of like, um, resituate myself mentally and spiritually and emotionally. And, and I've just figured my shit out. And it was because I made, um, Broadway, not a priority right and i made my personal happiness um the priority right what what do i what do i need and it's not and it's the answer is not a broadway show it's not a production contract it's not a gig like the answer is not a job yeah a job is not going to make me happy and i will only be happy in that job if I have, if I figure my, if I figure my stuff out. And so, uh, so it's been a, it's been, it's been quite the journey. Yeah. And I'm well, not done. That's the thing. It's like, I'm not done. I'm still, still, we're still working on ourselves. Yeah. And we're never, Possibly. we're never done. That's the sad yeah. part. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, well, but once you accept that you aren't stressed out by it, you're like, oh, it's about the journey of it that you have to exactly. keep. That, that's kind of like, 
to be an artist, you need to keep peeling back the layers that's keeping you from your vulnerability. And you are a better performer because you went through those years after Godspell. You are able to give oh. more on the stage, not just not just enjoy it more, but you're a better actor and performer because of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I certainly feel that way. And I, and I see, and, and, and you, and I see that when I see my friends and in, in, in shows, when people are, you could, you just, you feel it, you feel yeah. that they have like, you know, that there has, there is a life experience, uh, that they're drawing from. Um, and you, you feel it and you hear it and you see it in their work. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's all part of the, part of the journey. Like I, I always talk about how, you know, um, I'm, I'm a huge believer in manifesting, um, the reality that you want, that we, we have like the power to do that. Um, right. and I, and I, I've always been a believer of that, but this be more chill thing has become, uh, just su such proof that it is possible to, uh, put, put your heart into something and, and really fo focus like that's kind of focused energy. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I always, I talk about how you have to identify the, um, your destination. You have to like choose the destination that you want in your life. Right. And the only way that you can really get that is if you, if you pull your, pull yourself together, uh, and, and get it together enough to know what truly, what, what, what is the destination? Right. And, um, and then you have to just, uh, give up control yeah and enjoy the hard left turns and the u-turns and the right turns and you know the, the backwards that you'll inevitably have to go to uh in order to get to that destination um and that that journey is like the that's the fun part is the unexpected i i will get full-on musical theater nerd with you right now but if, you know, I was obsessed with Sunday in the Park with George as a kid. Yeah. And, you know, watched it and I was like, this is the best show. Not until I had spent 10 years trying to be an actor in this business did I understand what the song Move On is to keep yeah. moving on. Don't yeah. worry about where you're going. You've gone, you know, that, that it's yeah. about moving forward and the, the pursuit of your art and your passion. That's what, that's what it is. It's not yeah. about being scared of, you know, where you are. It's just keep moving on, keep creating. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that is, it was such a, a, a brilliant way for Sondheim to kind of show all artists through through this painter or creator that I kind of thought, oh, that's separate. You know, that's not the same. But really, when you're a creative person, you can torture yourself if you don't just keep moving forward and move yeah. on. Yeah. I, I'm so happy you brought that up. I I played George in my last year of college. Oh, my God. And thought that I was, oh, my God, I was incredible. I thought I was like, truly, <laughs> well, I'm sure you were. I thought I was, thought it was so magnificent, but similarly, um, after being an adult, <laughs> I look back at that, at that whole experience. And it's like, I didn't know what, I didn't know what I was singing. Like I yeah. just did it. I, there's no way you just don't know. And it's, you're so right. I mean, it is just, it's just, um, you can't, you just, you can't harp on the failures. Right. You also can't, 
uh, give yourself too much praise for the successes because you have to just, you got to keep on track. Right. And, uh, you know, there's, yeah, there's just, there's so much to living the dream. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it, it's, and the, 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 the reason I have this podcast and have these conversations is because we're all thinking the same things and it's so hard to have a moment to just sit down and talk about what we've learned and how we cope yeah. with that journey and how we move on, how we keep going yeah. forward. Yeah. Let me ask you um, about something specific with Be More Chill that we're we sure. always talking about social media. And because the show really had this resurgence and, as you said, resurrection from social media and on an online presence that's very unique to any show – but it also has like, a, you know, social media can become very overwhelming when you are under the microscope of, of, yeah. of, of fans or, or people and you have, you feel like a responsibility to share your, your private life. And also as, as a gay man, as a performer, you know, like there's, there's also that aspect of it. But this show in particular, I feel like because you guys have such a devoted fan base that is online, that has got to be a little trickier and um, is a whole different world. I know it would be for me, you know, like I, I, Hamilton fans are, are amazing and there's a whole bunch of them, but I was just kind of on the outskirts of riding a wave that Lynn, you know, was forging. You guys are really having to figure this out on your own. How have yeah. you all coped with that? Um, everyone's got their own relationship with social media, right? Uh-huh. Um, some people, uh, some people abhor it and and don't and don't use it. Um, other people, like myself, find it to be uh, kind of a positive thing. You know, I I just had the discussion. I, I talked to Nick Blameyer about this quite a bit because mm-hmm. he's. He's so fascinated with, with, um, with the role that social media has played in, in the show. And he's also, uh, at times, a bit of a, an opponent of social media mm. because there's an ugliness to it. And, sure. I, and I, I admit that there's an ugliness to it where, and this is what I was saying, like where people are not themselves and people uh, put on a, a persona. Right. Um, when I, when all of this stuff was going down, you know, cause Michael in the bathroom was the gateway drug for people discovering be more chill. Yeah. And so the result, the product of that was, you know, I was like generating uh, a, a following and people were like, like looking at things that I was posting for the first thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. social media before that was from, from my friends, like yeah. for me and my friends. And, um, I had these meetings with, uh, Ashley Latimer about how best to 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 approach this because it was everything was happening so fast yeah such big numbers and we decided that i just needed to be myself Hmm. and uh and that is the that is the thing that is the decision that we made that um has allowed this whole experience to not be uh terrifying and exhausting I'm just being myself. And like, you know, there are things, obviously that privacy is a thing, but it's, it's kind of like understanding that, okay, well, social media is no longer a thing for me to 
keep in touch with my friends. Yeah. That I'll, I'll keep in touch with my friends by texting them and hanging out with them in person. Yes. And I actually prefer that. Like I actually prefer that social media is, it has now become like a little bit of a tool. Well, I think that sometimes people have this false sense that when they put out social media, it's just for this small group of people that they've uh, curated. When you put out, for any of us, if you put something out over social media, it is for the world to see. You know, even if if you, even if you have like privacy things on, you know, you risk the entire world seeing it. I've always thought thought the same thing that as much as I know that as soon as Book of Mormon started, that my social media was not for me any longer. There were lots of Mm -hmm. people who were going to be looking at it who were, you know, basically teenage girls. And I was like, I have to be absolutely aware that these young women are looking at my social media and I should respect that and that, uh, you know, be careful of, of what I put out to be, you know, not, I don't know, just respectful. uh, Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, for, for me, it came with, it came with this, um, the, it came with the, this whole thing came with a little bit of a responsibility that I was honored and thrilled to have. And it is this, it, this is, this is like a, a glimpse into like what it was like to grow up as George. Right. Growing up, my mother is Filipino and my father is Ecuadorian. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up in a household where English was the, the common language. But then when I would leave the house, people would think that I was full-blooded Latino. And would just start speaking to me in Spanish. Huh. And I I never learned it. My parents were too busy uh, working their asses off as immigrants to like give their kids the life that they always dreamed of having. Right. So they weren't, they didn't have the time to sit us down and teach us verbs in their native tongues. Like they were working. They were working their asses off. And so right. I would get I would get harassed by lunch ladies, by teachers, by friends, by the parents of friends for not knowing Spanish or for not knowing Tagalog. And, uh, and then, um, you know, when they, when they would have us do standardized testing, I don't know if you know this, but it wasn't until the year 2000, um, uh, when the, 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 the U S census included an option, uh, under ethnicity when they, when they, they do their, their checkups on, on, you know, what percentage of America is white and what percentage it wasn't until the year 2000, um, when they, uh, they included an option for mixed race. Not until 2000, 2000. Jeez. And so there are all these studies out and I've been like really researching this lately because, um, growing up, there was no one in the entertainment world that I looked at and said, Oh, I see myself in that person. Right. Instead, I was seeing myself in like, uh, in, in white actors or white musicians. And what was happening was this weird thing where I, I remember in college, I, I remember sitting down uh, at my desk in my, in my apartment with a notebook, writing George S and then writing other like less ethnic sounding last names. Hmm. And I was trying to pick which, uh, which name was going to be my stage name when I became equity. Like that was a thing. That was, that was a 45 minute yeah. um, uh, moment of my life where I was like, trying to remove my mixed raceness right. from my life. And, and so, so 
I, uh, you know, when, when, when all of this stuff started happening and I was meeting, uh, brown kids, white kids, black kids, gay kids, lesbian kids, trans kids, straight kids who were, there was something about me. There was a, a fraction of who I am as a person that they saw themselves in. Yeah. I kind of made the decision that like my social media, which is, which is my direct line with this generation of, 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 of people. Yeah. Uh, was, it was, you know, obviously I want to be myself, but such a huge part of being myself is leading with my heart and, and kind of trying to, um, spread positivity. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of become the, the kind of the, you know, obviously there's like fun and games and goofiness, but at the end of the day, like social media for me is, is now like a direct line with young people, um, to tell them, you know, it's okay to be different and it's okay if it's okay to be gay and it's okay to, if you're trans and I will always be an ally for those people. And there's always like a safe place here and you will always have an ally in me that kind of like taking, taking social media and, um, and trying to make the most out of it has kind of been such a joy for me. And, uh, yeah. Well, to talk about, uh, you know, you're saying that you're, you're ready for this now after your years, after Godspell. I mean, this is something that you really have to have a responsibility and maturity to handle that. If yeah. this was handed to you, this responsibility of having a social media following without really knowing yourself or yeah. being sure about it yourself, it would be disastrous. You know, forget it, it. Yeah. yeah, forget it. Yeah. There would be, there would be, I'd be, I'd be canceled. They call it canceled. <laughs> I'd be canceled. I, everyone just, uh, just completely just unsubscribed and canceled uh, <laughs> if, if this was going down in 2011 100 yeah. uh and uh no it's you know i have i i am i'm like i've lived to, uh through my 20s yeah and i learned a lot about myself and i now am you know uh i am thrilled to be someone that people uh look up to and i'm happy to be um, to be a, a, a figure in this industry that like I didn't have when I was growing up. Let's talk about when you were growing up, you were, yeah. you grew up in Florida, right? Yes. Yeah. In, in Orlando. Yeah. So, so what was the theater scene like there for you? I, I think we've had, we've, we've had Wesley Taylor. He's from Orlando. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jessica Rush. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. trying to think of I, other Orlando folks. I know Michael James Scott is Yes. Uh, you know, I, 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 I didn't get involved in theater actually until my last year of high school. And so then by the time that I was like fully in love with theater, I was already in college. Wow. Um, but you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, young actors will work at Disney or universal. Mm. That's a, that's a very common first job, right. uh, working in the entertainment, um, departments of those theme parks. Mm. Um, but for me, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was just uh, being a part of a theater pro, a th the drama club at high school, and then moving to college. I stayed in Florida. I was at the University of Florida in Gainesville, and I was a two hundred and sixty pound brown kid who was who was a little too Asian to play a Latino and a little too Latino to play an Asian. Hmm. Uh, and I 
what what ended up happening was in, you know we'd we'd audition for summer work and I never got I never I never booked never booked and so I instead instead of um, staying at home for the summer I decided to to intern in New York City and so my first internship was with uh, Martian Entertainment. Oh. Uh, general management firm, yeah. yeah, and then and then my second internship before senior year was with Bono Brian Brown. Wow, and the a press agency I, in, yeah, in New York, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and the I will tell you that 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 summer with that press agency taught me so much about the side of the business that you don't they don't teach you in college, yeah, like they don't teach you how to how to give an interview, they don't teach you you know, uh, what is an acceptable thing to say, you know, it, right. it, it's, and so it was a huge learning experience and, and such an invaluable experience for me. And I also then got to kind of acclimate myself to New York city. How did you have um, these connections? Was it through your college? No, I just, when I tell you I, I'm a hustler, I, wow. you I are. Went to playbill.com and I found job listings wow. and I sent cover letters and samples of like, I did, I did some publicity work for the theater company, the student run theater organization at my, my college. I was the publicist for that. Wow. So I knew how to write a press release. I knew how to market um, certain things. Uh, I just, I, I, cause I had to, cause that was, that was my role in this theater company. I would so say I, that, 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 that experience or any internship in New York while you're in college is so much more valuable than like a summer stock acting job because you're doing that all year round. If you have a chance to do something to see behind the curtain of the business. Exactly. Oh, that's so smart. So smart. Exactly. And I think that that's, you know, uh, I, that is, I think, a a big reason as to how, as to why I'm still in New York. Mm hmm. And why the business never really like um, uh, owned me sure. in a way that like a lot of my classmates that I went to college with tried New York for a year and couldn't handle it and left. You know, right. it's because I had this upper hand, I had this advantage, and I had this pre-existing relationship with the city. Uh, because, like, I mean, aside from just auditioning and trying to get a job, like just paying your bills and being a human in New York City is so hard. Yeah. And I learned, uh, you know, in small in small bursts through college, what it what it what it takes to be a New Yorker, um, and so so yeah so uh, so yeah so you know growing up like um, I didn't uh, or going through college rather I didn't I didn't get summer work I didn't get um, I didn't have those opportunities, and that's another reason why I think that I, I wasn't ready for my Broadway debut. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, now like eight years, seven, eight years later, I have done like so many 29 hour readings and I yeah. learned from those how to sight read and I learned how to sing, um, in a healthy way from working with really talented singers. And it's like, you, we're just, we're constantly learning, right? you know, and, I, and, and, and kind of like stealing, stealing from your friends. Uh, like I love that skill set, and I love how that person, I can see how that person is so strong in that thing. How do I learn from them? Right. It's just, we're, we're constantly learning and we're constantly growing. Yeah. Um, 
you are also very, clearly you're very passionate about your responsibility towards young people. And you were so wonderful to be one of the first people to jump on board with our Belt the Vote campaign to get the theater community voting on November 6th. Why is it important to you to get the theater community to vote first of all, but just to have like a social conscience and, and, and be active on, on social issues as a performer. Yeah. Uh, great question. So in, in high school, I was when I was in, uh, uh, high school, it was, uh, dead smack, uh, during nine 11. And then after that it was, uh, Afghanistan and Iraq. And I remember being a high school student and feeling so helpless and feeling really defeated and feeling like, you know, there's never, I, I'm, I'm never going to be able to, to help. This is never, I, I am just a small, small person and I have no say and I have no power. And that right. sucks. Like that is a really, really terrible realization to make. Yeah. Um, before you, you know, while before you're you even still in high school. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so, uh, and so I remember feeling really, um, let down and really upset that, uh, that I had no say and, and nothing I could do would make a difference. Fast forward to, um, February of, of this year. Um, and, uh, and then I, I, and I, on a couple of moments, uh, since when I've gotten to meet these kids, but like these Parkland survivors, Right. And the heads of March for Our Lives, these are high school students. They're they're just kids, but they're kids who don't feel that same kind of powerlessness that I felt in high school. Right. And I and I'm I am so unbelievably moved and inspired by them because I was in their shoes during a catastrophic event in our, in our, in our country's history. And I felt so powerless and they have used this terrible thing that happened to them to try to affect change and try to make things happen and try to fix the narrative. And, um, uh, seeing them kind of take ownership was, uh, a thing, a huge motivating factor for me because, um, I'm an adult now, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm, a, I'm like, I'm an adult and I should be meeting them at least halfway. I should be, I should be doing something and you know, th- this, um, this be more chill phenomenon has like granted me the, 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 um, the platform to, Yes, I can I can make an Instagram story and do fart sounds and people will think it's funny right. and my friends will think it's funny mm-hmm. and I'll have a good time doing it, but I can also catch people off guard and make some sort of political statement and use this platform for for a positive for a positive effect. Right. And so it just thinking about and I think about high school George all the time. I think about I think about that kid and how lost he was and how um and the masks he wore and the facades that he hid behind to for acceptance the, the all of that stuff. I think about that every day of my life as an adult. And and I think about that 
helplessness. And I think about how I now have somewhat of a platform to, to, if anything, let people know that they're seen and heard and they're not alone. Hmm. And that there are people just like them that are adults that have gone through all the things that they've gone through and are functioning and well-respected and, and living their dreams. Right. And, um, and so a social awareness is, you know, I think another important factor of, of, of social media, if you have the platform and the ears of, of a generation, which, which, you know, a lot of us do, how do you, how, how do you use that for good? Cause I'm, I'm so, I'm kind of over people talking about, I mean, there are, there are, uh, there are factors of social media that are terrifying, um, but there are also factors of social media that are that are positive. Um, the the Parkland students, like so much of that, was through social media, right? Um, and getting their making sure their voices were being heard. Right. A lot of that was through social media, um, and so 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 yeah. So it's just been it's been um, it's been nice to have ears of uh, people listening right. uh, and then, and, and also being able to speak out and, um, and be, be vocal. Well, you, you know, once again, you have a responsibility and you feel the, the weight of that and want to respect it and, and make sure that everyone's informed about what's going on in the world. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's such a wonderful captivated audience of the be more chill fandom. And I think that it's wonderful that you and your castmates, Will Roland, Jason, Tam, and and others have stepped up to the plate because I've seen, you know, what happens with the cast in the Book of Mormon and, and with Hamilton. And it's a lot of work just to get the show done, yeah. to do eight shows a week. And you guys were filming a video for us the day before your opening or the day of opening. Like it was not a question in your minds. You knew that this was important and it really helped launch the entire movement and got hundreds and hundreds of people registered to vote. So thank you so, so oh much God. for, I'm for just all that. thrilled. I'm thrilled that people are, are leaving the house and, and yeah. And, and recognizing that we're not, we're not hopeless. No, that we each are. Yes. Sure. One person, but that one person is, is, is a part of, of, something that can make change the narrative. We right. don't have to sit back and accept when things are not going, um, you know, I, I obviously, obviously like bipartisanship is such a big thing with, with belt the vote. And so I don't want to say too much, but like, you know, it's, um, it's important to not feel like, well, I, I can't make a difference. Right. Because whether you have a hundred Instagram followers or you have, 2 million Instagram followers, uh, you can make a difference. And it's just, it's as easy as getting out of your house and voting. Yes. Yeah. It's where, it's where everything starts. So it's it's literally the least we can do. So we better do it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Before we go, you talked about, I always talk about body image because I, I think for men and women, it's, it's something that we struggle with a lot in this industry and talk yeah. about the least. You talked about being 260 pounds and yeah. you are not that right now. How have you coped with being um with with body image issues in this business 
and how you see yourself. Yeah. Well, okay. So growing up, my, um, my parents were, they, they moved to America in, uh, in the seventies, uh, and, uh, worked really hard to buy a house and take care of their kids and feed their kids. And that was a huge thing. Like in both of, uh, my parents' cultures, food is, is, uh, is a, is like a, uh, it's a social thing. Right. You know, like we, we eat together at the table, um, and we eat well. And so I was <laughs> very well fed growing up and, right. um, and I, I never, I growing up, like, uh, even through high school, I didn't feel like I was fat or unattractive. I was always my whole life. I've been very lucky to be surrounded with, uh, with love, uh, love and acceptance. And, and, um, and so it wasn't until I actually moved to New York and was like kind of deep into the business where I was like, Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I, I'm overweight. And, um, anytime I try to like diet or exercise, it was always for either, um, uh, well, I'm not castable as a fat guy or, uh, or like gay dudes won't find me attractive as a fat guy. And th- those were the motivating factors behind me trying to lose weight. And they never stuck, Like they never worked. Yeah. I would, I would work out for a month and then put all that weight back on again. Right. And then what it, what it, what became clear to me, and this is again, a thing where it's like, you know, you just, it just takes time and you just realize what matters and what doesn't. I realized that, um, you know, um, I was doing Godspell and it was a very physical show and I was heavy when we started and, um, and, and doing a physical show as a heavy person was really difficult and mm. I was developing knee problems and all, and I was in my twenties and I, and I was sore. My body was sore all day. And I was like, well, you know, I don't work out. Like I don't get any kind of physical, I haven't done any physical activity in my whole life for 20 plus years. And so it became clear to me that like, for my own physical well-being um, and lo- uh, and a longevity in my career, I had to watch what I was eating and and eat, you know, uh, um, a sensible portion instead of like going for thirds and fourths. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I still love eating. Don't get oh, me wrong. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? But like, you know, it's just it's kind of um, everything in moderation and like um, and. Uh, and it was really surprising to to see my transformation because another really effed up thing about body image is like even when you're losing weight and you're looking in the mirror, like you're looking at you look at yourself in the mirror every day, so you don't actually clock how your body's changing. Right. Everyone around you can mm-hmm. if they're not seeing you every day, and uh, and so it became this thing where I realized that I needed to um, I, I stopped like weighing myself. Because hmm. the weighing, I, I, I still look the same. Am I like when I even still, even still, when I look in the mirror, I still see like the same body from high school. Right. Uh, I know that's not the fact, the case, because I, because my, my like measurement method now is clothes. Like, how does this fit me? Right. Um, and, and that's when you have a I costume that always is, uh, you, you have the same costume eight shows a week. I always know yeah. like day, meal to meal how I'm doing. You <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. Have yeah. To weigh yourself when you are wearing the same thing every like, single day. Exactly. Uh, yeah. so, you know, it's been this like constant journey and I'm still figuring it out. 
but I am now someone who I have learned to uh, love my body and I've learned to feel really good. And I feel, I feel good. And, um, and I won't, regardless of what body I'm in, I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And it's just accepting that, you know, right. and also realizing that I don't need someone else's approval right. uh, or acceptance to feel good about myself. It's, it's a daily struggle for me as well. And it's taken a lot of time to kind of just be like, this is what I look like. And this, this is me. The, these are the stories that this body are, is going to get to tell. You know, yeah. I, I'm glad because those are the stories of like that are closest to me and who I am. And exactly. it's, it's, it's tough because when you're young and you feel like things aren't going your way for you in the business, especially you're like, man, if only I looked like Brad Pitt, then things would be easy. Right. But you know, it, it's, it's really because this business is just hard for everyone. And everyone yeah. has their own kind of problems. Yeah, because but, there are people who look like Brad Pitt right. who aren't working. Right. So yes. it's not the thing that's missing. It's not. You know? It's not. It's really about being able to connect and find a story that is, is speaks to you and that lets your talent shine. And clearly that's what this moment and be more chillest for you. I think that you have such a great outlook on body image because what you've discovered is it's a we are athletes when we're doing eight shows a week and you have yeah. to be healthy it's really yeah. about finding a way to be healthy and not about the the aesthetic look of, of right, what you right. are right i don't need a six-pack right to, to do be more chill no i just need to not eat <laughs> yeah fried chicken right before the show like yes. that's what i need to do to do be more chill yeah uh, and and yeah yeah. I mean, you know, it's, we're, we're, again, it's the, this is the journey. Yeah. And, um, and I think to have everything figured out is boring. Right. I think it's, it's really thrilling to be 32 and to still be making discoveries about myself. Just and keep learn. moving on. That's the only exactly. thing I'll be doing. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it. that's what it is. It's, it's that, you know, we, we, we think that Again, we cross the threshold and we're supposed to have everything figured out, but no, we're like just scratching the surface and that's what's exciting. And I think that you are such a great talent, but more importantly, you have the ability to show empathy and understanding to a group of people right now who really need it and you're positioned so perfectly for it. I'm so lucky that I got to see you and your cast and this wonderful show Off-Broadway before it explodes on Broadway and reaches an even bigger audience because I know the impact that it's going to have and it's not just going to be in New York, it's going to be for generations of this show being done in high schools and and changing lives and and really speaking to a lot of people. So. I'm so excited for you. I think it's going to be you. a wild ride and you are definitely ready for it. You, uh -huh. you, you're, you're going to just shine over the next few months. When does it open on Broadway? Is there a date already? Um, yeah, we, we start performing, we start previews February 13th, uh, wow. and we open March 10th. Wow. So exciting. Um, that'll be here before you know it. So I hope you yeah. get to enjoy a little bit of relaxation and some I, downtime. I am, I am. Okay, good. 
Good. I just, I was like, you're everywhere. You were even more, in more places than you were when you were doing the show. So I was like, man, this guy's in demand. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time to to talk with us oh here. Oh my God. Thank you for having me and for making, and for making me cry at the end. <laughs> um, you're, you're wonderful. Thanks, George. Um, thank you. Audition side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.